This is Finding Sublime, a podcast about slowing down and savoring the beautiful, delicious, and delightful facets of Japan. Today, we're going to talk about a place that's become really close to our hearts that has turned into a source of great inspiration for us and creativity, and is actually a big part of the backstory of how Finding Sublime came to be. And that place is Izu. The Izu Peninsula is southwest of Tokyo, and it's a really easy getaway. We discovered Izu after the first couple years of living in Japan and making a lot of trips to the obvious places that a lot of people go to as tourists, like Nikko and Hakone, which we absolutely love and continue to visit from time to time. But I think we were just looking to do something different, and yet we didn't have a lot of time to go super far away for a really long time. It's really convenient with the trains from Tokyo, getting down to Izu Peninsula. So we took the JR Odoriko train, which leaves from central Tokyo, and you can take that down to two different destinations in Izu. The first time we went, we took it to Shuzenji Onsen, and the Shuzenji station is the last stop on that line. On the way, we pass through these beautiful rice fields and little country towns. You can see the mountains in the distance and... We just really enjoyed the actual ride there, just feeling like we were slowing down and we we're going to a place with wide open skies. Once again, that journey, right? That's right. The journey was really pleasant. And once we got to Shuzenji Station, it was just a short taxi ride to the Ryokan where we were staying. When you arrive there, it is one of those small town vibes, lots of little mom and pop shops. Uh, we had a good time at some of the antique stores mm-hmm. and also... Some of the food shops, I remember buying some really great mushrooms that were picked in the area. It was Grandma's Shiitake Mushroom yeah. Store. I think that's all they sold. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. And Shuzenji is basically a destination for its onsen. So all the inns around here will have their own hot springs baths. It's just a very nostalgic kind of old-fashioned feel. Mm-hmm. You will often see people walking around in their yukata in town. And in fact, when we were there... We were invited to wear our yukata to the temple, which is Shuzenji itself. It's the namesake of the town. And by the way, this temple is about 1,200 years old. We're gravitating towards things that are around 1,200 years old. (laughs) It seems to be the running tally is everywhere we go, there's a 1,200-year-old temple. But they're all so amazing. This one actually goes back to, um, it was established by Kobo Daishi himself. So what an incredible history that Shuzenji has. And when we checked into our inn, they said there's a taiko event happening tonight. And feel free to wear your yukata over and wear your sandals and enjoy the evening. And when we arrived at the performance, there were these massive drums there and a number of people waiting to take part in the performance. And what I remember the most was these fierce looking young women just really Mm. giving it their all. And I remember the shouts and the looks that they had during the performance that really was really emotional. And something about seeing that at night when it was super dark out, the pathways and the stairway was lit with lantern, candle lanterns. There was just this really kind of timeless feeling. I felt like we were connected to history mm. in that moment. Were we modern people? Well, yes, with our smartphones taking photos, yeah. 
we were, but I also felt this great connection to the past and what would a taiko performance like this mean at a temple like this centuries ago. And just the way that it made everyone feel connected and just raised everyone's energy in a really great way. You could see lots of smiles. You could really understand that um, not only were the people performing really happy about what was going on, but the people in the audience really, really appreciated everything so much. At the end of it all, it was sort of this cathartic feeling like we had gone through this journey together. And, you know, then we returned to the silence and we walked back to our inn. and Through this little bamboo forest trail. There's a small bridge crossing the river that runs through the middle of Shuzenji. And on the one side of it, as we were heading back to our inn, we passed this wonderful bamboo grove that's all lit up at night and little lanterns and lots of people taking photos. But it was just this really kind of peaceful, glowing oasis of nature in the middle of the town. I just loved it. Yeah, it was a great way to come down from that amazing, really exuberant performance. So Shuzenji turned out to be a great weekend getaway and a really refreshing alternative to some of the more familiar places that we have been to. Another thing that drew us to Izu was the promise of waterfalls, which for me, waterfalls are some of the most amazing things in nature and I love any excuse to go visit them. We have been reading about the seven waterfalls of Kawazu. We discovered that the bus ride up there was really convenient, and we figured we have this way of going to the top of trails, and that was a pretty smart thing because when you take the bus to the top of the trail to the top waterfall, it's a really easy walk down through the valley so that you can experience all of these waterfalls. It's a little easier than walking up and taking the bus down. We basically started off with the grand finale. <laughs> yes, we did. We did. And it was it was actually quite a, a moment being able to get mm. dropped off walking through uh, the woods and these extremely large, tall trees and the pine needles beneath your feet adding just a really soft walk mm. down um, to that first waterfall, it was, it was actually very, very quiet. And then all of a sudden you can start to hear this sort of like this white noise. And what is that? Oh, it's, it's what is to come is that amazing waterfall. Certainly the anticipation of walking through the woods there was really, really exciting. It was the sound of anticipation, right? It, it really was. And I feel like I was in this very meditative headspace after walking down that trail and kind of slowing down, getting off the bus and, and yeah. just coming into the trees. Yeah, I think the moment you get off the bus and start walking down the trail, you're in a completely different headspace. And that's what means the most to me when we're going on these these little trips. It's like we're looking for those moments. We want to find serene moments. And we got it right away after getting off the bus. So after walking through this forest path for just a little while, when you get to the waterfall and the river, there's a big platform out there that you can actually walk out and face the waterfall. You're you're practically in front of the waterfall. There's a huge clear blue pool below it and the spray the mist coming off of that waterfall as it's spilling down the mountain is so refreshing and just right onto your face yeah and and during the summer that was a really delightful thing I, i was so hot and being able to have that on you was super refreshing 
the air was just super pure and smelled incredible. Like it was a cleansing experience, I guess, in more ways than one. I don't want to make it sound like we were drenched. We were not drenched. No. And you can choose whether you want to walk up to the edge of this platform or not. But the power, the sheer captivating power of this waterfall, it it was undeniable. We just stood there for quite a while, just breathing and looking around and feeling really grateful that we could visit such a majestic place and, and that it actually, even though it felt super remote, that we could take a city bus there yeah. without too much trouble. And no trouble at all, really. So when you continue your walk down the valley, you're able to cross these little tiny cool footbridges and little tiny paths along the cliffs mm. and take in some really amazing massive pools of water, turquoise in color. Um, and depending on the year, the time of year, you're able to see some really amazing um, colors in the trees. It's so incredibly refreshing. I remember there were some really interesting rock formations that were created from some kind of prehistoric lava flow. And that was really unique as well, just looking across and you could see them very clearly along the other side of the river. And you just felt like you're in this prehistoric yeah, place. Practically geometric. There's something very, I don't know, I really wanted to read up on this. I wanted to discover what made this. And Izu itself is basically a volcanic peninsula so it was fun to research that we continue down the trail along the river and at some point there's a spot with a menu outside and a stairway going up the hill into the woods it was really strange because there was like a menu a menu in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> but up the hill was the restaurant and it's just this little humble place they make their own charcoal i think because the place was stacked up with charcoal and Lot firewood. firewood and lots of um, smoky and steamy smells going on. And you get a seat upstairs and some of the smoke is rising from all the cooking and had just this really amazing atmosphere with the afternoon light coming in the window. And if you look out the window, you could just see this bamboo forest outside. All It almost was like being in a treehouse. It was nice to have been served mushrooms that they had been growing right outside. You could see them growing on the logs and... Super fresh, right? Yeah, super fresh. That place was just wonderful. And from there, we had the energy to continue on down the trail. And at the end of the trail, there's a hotel with one more waterfall and you can pay to use their facilities and their changing rooms. And you actually wear a swimsuit because it's outdoor and it's co-ed, but they have outdoor hot springs baths right along the river, right in front of this enormous waterfall. For some amazing reason, when we went, there was no one there. It was just like we owned the place. I know why. Super lucky. Because it was extremely cold. Well, that was, that was, <laughs> yeah, that time that we went was, was pretty cold and we were like the polar bear club, I guess. It was so much fun and so peaceful being in the middle of nature and, and, and looking at the waterfall, but soaking in the tub up to your chin and that super hot water. It's just the best way to relax. So as you can see, Izu has been growing on us more and more with every new experience since we started coming here. And a friend of mine at work insisted that we visit Shimoda sometime because the beaches, he said, were about the best beaches you'd find in Japan outside of Okinawa. So of course that piqued my interest and I decided to plan a little beach getaway. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> As anyone who's visited the beach in Japan knows, 
The natural beaches are rocky, but this particular area, Shimoda, has a number of sandy beaches, white sand, and it feels super tropical. Of course, in the summertime, the water gets warm, and naturally, it's a great destination from Tokyo when you're looking for a little beach time. It was nice being able to wade in the water and not be cold. I remember doing a little research about the warmest time for water in the areas in September and getting there when it was so warm and it was unbelievable. It was a good time to get away. And it was just after all the kids had gone back to school. Most people take their holidays around school vacations or work vacations. And we just literally happened to get there the day after the quote unquote season had ended. It so was practically empty. <laughs> it was practically empty. And we just took a lot of time enjoying those sights and sounds of the ocean and we stayed at an Airbnb right on the beach so we could watch the world go by. And it happened to also be full moon the first night we were there. And I'll never forget that moon just rising up over the horizon, floating over the water and just seeing the reflection in the waves. It was, it was very, very peaceful. And I remember being able to walk out there and there really wasn't um, any commotion. There weren't any loud noises. It was just very, very peaceful. It was the moment I was looking for, the moment that I had been craving, being able to soak in those moon vibes and mm. being able to swim around in that warm water at 11 at night was something that I'm never going to forget. And I think if people are looking for that experience, Shimoda will definitely deliver. Shimoda, by the way, is at the end of the train line heading down the eastern coast of Izu. And you also take the JR Odoriko train. So one of the men's in Shuzenji, one of them ends in Shimoda. If you go to the end of the line, it's about three hours from Tokyo, but well worth it just for a completely different atmosphere and beach culture. I recommend an overnight trip because what I discovered is that as people start leaving the beach, it becomes a lot more peaceful and you're able to have a different kind of relaxing moment. And that was really important for me. You know, finding those sublime moments are definitely when I can hear less commotion. There's actually a number of different beaches in the area too. So depending on your mood or depending on what you're looking for, if you want something a little more private or if you want the big popular beach, there's a lot in the area. And even if you don't have a car, you can get anywhere in a short cab ride. So as we go through these moments, We've been realizing that Izu has been very special to us. And how do we make it more of a frequent visit? How do we make it more of, of those moments that we can get more often? How and can we spend more time here? Yes, that's, that was the goal. We've been constantly researching the housing market wherever we're at. And we've thought about, oh, we should get a place in the mountains where it's really secluded and we can get away and hear nothing but the wind and the birds. And then we thought about, well, we like to put our feet in the ocean and that water's so cleansing. We really struggled between are we mountain people or are we ocean people? But I think in visiting Izu a number of times, we realized it's okay to be both. We can have both. You can have it all. <laughs> and like Jason said, you know, after looking online a lot at real estate, you know, you this happens every time we go somewhere that we really love. We start thinking, what if we lived there or what if we could visit there more often? It just started off as something fun and whimsical to think about, 
especially in the pandemic, we're just looking for a mental escape. But we really started appreciating this area in a more serious way. And one area that we particularly love is the Jogasaki Coast. It's called Jogasaki Kaigan in Japanese, and that's also the name of the local train station there. You can walk down to the ocean from the train station, and it's this long, wide street lined with cherry trees. And in the springtime, they're in full bloom. It's just a sight to behold. But it's just a really pleasant, calm walk, slightly downhill, bit by bit, as you head towards the ocean. But then the big reveal when you get to the ocean is amazing. I couldn't believe the extreme drop off in cliffs and the waves crashing and actually how clear the water was. You can see to the bottom, you can see, practically see the fish swimming below <laughs> and the um, suspension bridge going over this particular area was very impressive. And if it's windy, you can feel the mist on your face. And actually getting down to the water was very easy. I don't think a lot of people do it, but it was nice to go down, scoop up some of that water with our hands, finding a little space that was sort of protected from the waves was kind of a highlight for me. I think at that moment, we realized the Jogasaki Coast and Jogasaki Kaigan area was something really special for us. Something about the energy here is just really calming and we felt really supported and welcomed here. It's no coincidence that we ended up finding a house that we wanted to buy here. We first had seen a house online that looked really cute, like a little Japanese-y bungalow, but it was sold almost immediately and we didn't even have a chance to view it. And this area always stood out in our minds as just a place that we're drawn to. And then many months later, we were looking and I, on a whim, was looking for places with a tea room. You know, that's a really unusual house feature that most people wouldn't be searching for. But I'm that person. I am that buyer who wants the house with the tea room. It's something I've always dreamed of having. I've been studying tea now for like 17 years. And it was like a lifetime dream that seemed impossible. But when you look at older houses, a lot of these places have maybe a tea room or a really nice tatami room with some craftsmanship that just is not done these days in a new construction house. That's what we found in this house. We saw it online and we knew we just had to go see it. So the house is both traditional and contemporary. It was created in a way that highlighted the tea room. Now that we have this place, it feels like we're living inside of a giant tree because there's so much wood and you could tell that the trees were really, really big when they were harvested. And yeah, it's just a delight and really kind of an honor to be the custodian of a place like this. And, you know, we've definitely been putting in a lot of work to restore it and take care of the garden too, which was like a jungle when we bought it. And now that things are getting cleared, getting cleaned, getting... Oh, sort of refurbished in a few different ways. Now we have that place where we can relax and we can sit and meditate and we can think about how can we manage our busy lives in a different way. And I don't know about you, but I don't think it's escapism. No. I think it's more of slowism, <laughs> right? There's something yeah. about when we enter this house where we turn off other things from the outside world. I feel that I can focus more here. It is quieter here for sure, especially I love the days when we just have the screen doors letting the breeze in and you can hear the birds outside and 
Depending on the time of year, you might hear crickets or cicadas. It's just that. There's no real noise and it helps me hear my own thoughts a lot more clearly. I think we aren't more creative, but we're creative more deliberately. Um, Actually, we're creative just more in general. I think part of it is that we don't have the distractions that we have when we're in Tokyo And we're forced to just be a little more resourceful on different levels. Of course, there's not a lot of dining options to just run out and be lazy and let somebody else cook for us as much as in Tokyo. So we're more likely to just be cooking and creating and fixing and doing and cleaning and getting in a little groove here. And all of this has led to us creating Finding Sublime. We really had a moment where we thought, there's something going on here. There's something about this place. There's something about where the house is located, Izu in general, the ocean, being able to get to the mountains easily. It's just really nice to have a retreat. And I think it helps us realize that when we take care of ourselves and let ourselves slow down, live a more mindful existence, be more thoughtful and intentional about the things we create and the things we do and the things we say. This actually gives us the capacity to create more for other people. And I think it's really given us the motivation to share. Yeah, It's one thing to create for yourself, but it's another thing to create with the idea in mind that somebody might listen to your podcast and enjoy it and feel peace from it. Or somebody might look at that photo you shared or that article that you wrote, or that video that you created, and that it just might bring a little bit of um, calm and happiness to their daily life. This house has done that for us. It continues to help us generate new ideas. So I feel like one takeaway for anybody listening to this, I know that finding your own house in the Japanese countryside isn't for everyone, although there are a lot of people interested in it, (laughs) and I could not support you more. But just connecting with that idea of finding a place where you can feel calm and peaceful and just really be comfortable in your own space and allowing yourself to think expansively, play with creative ideas and be content with what you have right now instead of worrying about what's next or stressing about what happened. It takes work for all of us, myself included, but it's really worth the time to try to come back to the moment and try to just be content with the silence from time to time. Our aim with Finding Sublime is to be able to share more stories, whether it's ours or other people's, and we're looking forward to sharing the story of our friends who have created an Airbnb just north of us here in Ito. It's called The Lair. A couple of our friends who are also super fans of Izu (laughs) bought a house in Ito about a year and a half ago and spent many, many months completely renovating the place into an incredible Airbnb that is an original 1960s Japanese house that's done up in the coolest traditional meets groovy contemporary style. You put so much work into it. It's totally a labor of love. And we actually interviewed our friend Hillary to share her experiences on creating this place. And I really hope that it is inspirational to people who are dreaming about how they too might create a place of their own, or maybe this is a place you would wanna visit. I think there's just a lot to be learned from 
seeing what other people are doing that's creative and exciting in, in this space. We'll have that interview up on YouTube very, very soon. And there's a lot more to come also on the podcast and on our website, which is findingsublime.com. Instagram, Twitter are also featuring a lot of what we're creating, our Facebook page, and findingsublime.com has some really great articles about some, some tastes and some sounds that we're experiencing. Feel free to contact us and let us know about your favorite places to find Sublime in Japan. So thank you very much for dropping by. We look forward to helping you on your journey to find Sublime and drop us a line anytime. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you.